0: Welcome to the last episode of the Let's Talk Dyslexia series with me, David Thompson, on behalf of Dyslexia Scotland. In this episode, I uh, will be talking to lawyer Alan Sinclair. Alan is a liquidation lawyer and is a partner of Adol Shaw Goddard. According to their website, Alan works in commercial disputes for their clients, which can range from financial institutions to small and medium sized enterprises. Like criminal lawyer Tom McGuffin, who you heard in the first episode of this series, Alan's also dyslexic. You would have heard Tom mention Alan in that episode, when Tom was discussing setting up the group Disabling Barriers Scotland. We hear from Alan introduce himself to you, the listeners.
1: My name's Alan Sinclair. I'm a uh, solicitor. I've I've, uh, been working as a lawyer for uh, about... 20 years, um, and in terms of my dyslexia, uh, I found out I was dyslexic um, when I was in primary four at school. So um, I would probably have been, um, you know, about uh, eight or nine, I suppose, at, at that stage, eight, nine, ten. It, it was it was sort of picked up by a, a school teacher who sort of recognized at that stage that um despite the fact that I was displaying signs of being sort of reasonably intelligent and um, my written work wasn't sort of reflecting that so um wasn't completing written exercises um spelling was atrocious um B's and D's were being put the sort of wrong way around as a in my handwriting that sort of thing um and so he suggested to my parents that I get uh, an assessment for dyslexia and it so happened that mum and dad had a friend who was uh, an educational psychologist um, and and he did the assessment with me and it was sort of identified at, at that stage.
0: So in terms of when you were at school what kind of support did you get when you found out you were dyslexic? when you were in primary four did you get the DSSI support put in place by the school? to help
1: you get through both primary school and then on to maybe secondary school? Yeah, well, well, so it's interesting. Although I was identified as being dyslexic um, when I was that age, my parents didn't actually tell me that. So um, I first found out I was dyslexic um, when I was in fourth year at school. So at that stage, I would have been um, about 15 or so um and it was coming up to the prelims for what what was then standard grades and uh my guidance teacher at that stage said to me oh alan um we're going to have to have a chat about what sport we're going to put in place for you for your dyslexia and i said what dyslexia (laughs) um because a bit of a miscommunication between my parents and the school They, they had just decided um, not to tell me about it I, I don't know whether that was because they didn't want me using it as an excuse or um, what the reason for they didn't want me to feel different um, but they'd taken the decision not not to do that and so um, as I said I didn't didn't find out about it until much later and so I was sort of unaware of any support that was being given to me in primary school and um, I do remember that from time to time, I was taken out of the main class uh, and um, spent time with uh, in a smaller group with kids that had additional support needs. Um, I wouldn't have known what that phrase meant at that time, but you know, kids who were maybe struggling a bit in in school, um, I, I was sort of spending uh, a bit of time with them. Um, and then when I went to high school, um, I, I think I, I sort of performed better when I got to to high school than I did in primary school Um, still had issues obviously with uh, spelling and and grammar and and the rest of it Um, but I sort of managed to maybe mask them a little bit better when I got to to secondary Um, and so I don't really remember any support being given for it um, until I got to the stage where I was sitting prelims Um, and at that stage they asked me whether I wanted to try sitting with a scribe, um, so I gave that a, I gave that a, a try, and it didn't really work very well for me. Um, and so the alternative was to get extra time for for the prelims, and so I was assessed for that, and and sort of just got extra time. But you know, I, th- I think that this was the early nineties that we're talking about here, and I'm not sure that there was as much support. Back then as as maybe there is now.
0: As you probably went into university then, uh, to do your obviously do your, your law degree uh, as a lawyer. Um um did you get much support when you went into university? Because you talked about you didn't get much support at school in terms of um, your dyslexia and whether um, did you get much support and you noticed any difference
1: between the going from school and into university? I was assessed again for dyslexia when i started um, at university mm-hmm. um, I, and that was i think to really determine how much extra time i should get in the university exams um, so i did that and then i don't really i'm not really aware of being given much other support i, I think at that stage uh, there was maybe a sort of brief discussion about um, how I might be able to to manage things, um, because one of the issues that I would have that I had as a dyslexic university student was note taking and trying to sort of keep up with the pace of a lecture um, with notes. Um, and when I think one of the things that was suggested to me was, you know, if you can speak to uh, who can maybe give you their their notes, then that might help. And um, I had a really good friend at university, a guy called Callum, uh, who, who's still a friend, um, who gave me all these notes uh, from from all the lectures, and that made a, a huge difference to me. Um, but that was more of a sort of informal support from the university. I wasn't really given much in the way of formal support for it. We didn't get much in terms of uh, support, we maybe did
0: the exams so or how we could do a Yeah. Um, maybe to do your essays. Were were they from the university? Uh, well, well, you studying to
1: become a, a lawyer then. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say at that stage there was a, a huge amount of support. Again, we're still talking the, the sort of late nineties by this point, and, and as I say, I'm, I'm pretty sure things have moved on a bit since since those days.
0: Must be a bit of a challenge for you to go on to. But you qualified as a lawyer then in maybe late nineties or turn of millennium, um, um, to go into the workplace where it's quite very much uh written orientated in terms of legal jargon, you have to learn and have to
1: write.
0: Uh I presume sure that was a bit of a charge we went into the workplace, then we became a lawyer right?
1: Yeah, so that's right, because you know, the job of a lawyer is predominantly uh, reading and writing you know uh, yeah. whether whether it's uh, what we call pleadings for a court case or you know whether it's long letters or um you know writing witness statements these sorts of things it's it's very language heavy yeah. um, and so that that does present a challenge because it takes me uh, longer to read things and, and longer to produce written work um, but i i I didn't ever tell anyone that I was dyslexic. Um, I, I never mentioned it in any job applications, um, and I didn't mention it to my employers when I started. So um, when, you, when you finish your studies at university, uh, the next stage to becoming a solicitor is doing a two-year traineeship. Yeah. Um, and so I think I was a bit concerned that if I told anyone during my two-year traineeship, people would think, well, we're not very sure about having someone who's got any kind of difficulty with language uh, when that's really what yeah. the job of a lawyer is. So so I sort of kept that to myself and um, just tried as much as I could to find ways of of coping um, to sort of continue to mask it.
0: In terms of um, coping makers, you had to bring in to try hide the fact that you were know, disliked. What was that you had to bring into the workplace to try make sure that you do the work for your clients or for your employer that you have to do uh, to make sure it's up to a high standard uh, when you're delivering a
1: service for your clients? Yeah, so, I mean, it, it sort of depends on the task that, that you're being asked to do. So um, as, as a younger lawyer, one of the things that you have to do quite a lot is note-taking, whether it's note-taking in meetings or court hearings and that sort of thing. And what I really just had to learn to do as much as possible was – Um, to try and abbreviate things um, as quickly as I could so almost create my own sort of shorthand uh, for taking notes because if I was trying to write everything out um, as it was being said I I would just simply never be able to keep up and then the other thing that uh, I would sort of learn to do is to sort of um, get my notes typed or dictated soon after so that I could use my memory of what had been said to to fill in the blanks as to, to what was written uh, on the page and um, as I sort of got more senior uh, you know what I do now a, a lot of it is more the management of cases uh, then you sort of learn to rely on your team a bit more um, and so uh, you know my note-taking abilities are, are much less important now because I'll normally have a more junior member of the team in meetings or or at court with me to sort of keep up with that sort of stuff. Very often, um, I'll have more junior guys in the team produce the first draft of uh, a document as well, which I can then um, correct or, or, or revise. Uh, and it means that where I can add value is in things like uh, meetings, where we're talking about strategy and that sort of thing and you know a a dyslexic can do that as well and perhaps better than than other people can so you know I've got no difficulties in um you know coming up with with the ideas as to how we might approach a case. I presume that now
0: that your employers are probably more aware that you are dyslexic so in terms of uh, more probably more recently if you notice any kind of okay, support that your employer for put, has uh, maybe put in place for you to try help you with to deal with your dyslexia or is that because of maybe over the last maybe 20-30 years of being a lawyer that you've been uh, that coping that you brought in has actually helped you to bring your own strategies and coping mechanisms into the workplace?
1: Yeah so um I didn't talk about my dyslexia until really quite recently. So um, I I first started being open about it within the firm uh, maybe about uh, 12 to 18 months ago was when Mm -hmm. I first really started talking about it. Um, And then that, even then that was only to sort of a select few people. Um, And then probably from uh, around about November or December last year uh, was when I started to make it more widely known. So mm-hmm. this, is the fir- this is the third legal firm that I've that I've worked in. Um, so it's the only one that's really an opportunity to offer any support. Um, and one of the main reasons why I, I did start speaking more openly about it is actually our firm is quite enthusiastic uh, about diversity and inclusion, um, and and do a lot more than pay lip service to it. You know, they yeah. they really uh, follow through on that. And so I felt much more comfortable being open about it than I, than I ever would have previously. Um, and so whilst I've not been given much in the way of formal support, uh, what I have been given is a great deal of encouragement um, mm-hmm. to continue to speak openly about it, uh, you know, and, and to sort of encourage others to be to be open about it because the firm does offer support, and, and one of the things that the firm does, for example, is offer coaching mm. um, for people who have dyslexia or other neurodiversities, um, where they get uh, free sessions with someone who can help them with, for example, systems to keep themselves more organized and, and that sort of thing. So I, I have used that support, and that, that's been helpful. But I think you're right, you know, I, I, I've been working for 20 years, um, and so i I've broadly found ways of coping with the difficulties that I've got, um, you know. And whilst any support's always always welcome, I'm, I'm probably at a stage where, you know, I've, I've managed to muddle through through myself, and I've got a bit set in my ways about how I do things.
0: Do You think the reason why it took you until possibly now to actually um, come out and be very recent, maybe last year 18 months is because of the stigma in relation to the legal profession within maybe people have got dyslexia, but maybe more generally about people who are maybe disabled or got some sort of difficulties themselves to try and help those people who have got those sort of conditions. So, sort I of think is it's is a it, you think it's still a stigma involved in that,
1: yeah. I think things are are improving, um, particularly in in the realms of neurodiversity. You know, you you hear a a lot more uh, people eulogising the the benefits of having a a neurodiverse workforce. Um, But for me, certainly, you know, up until a couple of years ago, I, I still did feel like there was a stigma involved um, particularly with, with dyslexia and particularly in the legal profession. Uh, and I had always um, thought that, you know, no matter how understanding a client might say they are, that it, it must be human nature for them to think, well, you know, if I've got a lawyer who's got any kind of difficulty with language, then, you know, that that can't be optimal. But I think since I've, since I've been more open about it, uh, the way that it's been received has made me uh, perhaps have more faith in human nature in that respect than than I had before.
0: In that case, has it made you be dislikes a better lawyer? Because you kind of touched on it briefly there with you might be helping your clients out better. So would it be helpful you being dislikes? I mean, you'd be dislikes in terms of the way your, you your think, the way you your work has actually helped you be a better lawyer?
1: Yeah, so it, it's difficult to to say, because, you know, I've, I've never been anything other than dyslexic, so it's really mm. difficult to, to compare, um, but from what I've read, uh, there tends to be a few traits of uh, dyslexics that I think I identify with, so, uh, you know, you do read that dyslexics tend to be quite empathetic people, and, and that really helps in relationships with clients, and and certainly I've had feedback from clients that sort of centre around that. Um, And I think I'm pretty good at sort of taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture when you're trying to sort of think about a strategy for solving a problem that a client has. Um, I I think I I take quite a holistic um, view of those kind of things. And and as I say, I think that's one of the things that dyslexics tend to be credited with. So my guess is that there are several ways in which being a dyslexic has, has made me a better lawyer, but um, as I say, it's quite difficult to identify them having never been anything else.
0: Is there any we're getting to see put in place for people who are dyslexic in the workplace that you've probably noticed over the last um, number of years and maybe more recently when you've revealed that you were dyslexic and, and like to see put in place in not just maybe in your office, but maybe more
1: in terms of the legal profession itself? I'm fortunate that I work in a, a big firm. And so uh, that that brings a few benefits with it. One, one of them is uh, that, you know, we have a whole team divert, uh, devoted to diversity and inclusion, which means that, you know, there's a constant message out there about the benefits that that, that brings. And so culturally a big firm is, and particularly this firm um, is, is a good place to be dyslexic because you can make, you can bring yourself, your own self to work and, and feel comfortable yeah. um, in the environment. Um, and then the second benefit that it brings is, is the access to infrastructure and technology. So, you know, all the sorts of voice to text technology and text to voice technology, um, all of these sorts of supports are, are there if, if you need it. And there are big teams so you know, if there are things that I'm not good at, that you know, there's someone in the team who can who can pick that up and and be a support. And um, I think where there's probably more difficulty is is in that part of the profession where there isn't that availability of, of those kinds of resources. And so one of the things that that we need to be doing, I think, is um, showing good examples of people who have gone into the legal profession with dyslexia and, and have succeeded um because I you know I know that I did feel quite alone and not being able to to talk about it mm. and, and it's been a great relief to be able to to now do that and so I don't like the idea of people sort of entering the profession afresh and, and not being able to have that, that openness. But I think I think we can only do that if we're showing the rest of the profession that, that people with that sort of neurodivergent condition can succeed.
0: No, so if somebody came forward and say, I'm just like saying that I want to put some sort of reasonable adjustments in place, would there be a process within the company you're working for that you can actually do that and get the reasonable adjustments that you need to be put in place for, to help them to do with their everyday job,
1: yeah, so, so it's something that I've been offered and haven't taken up yet, but but there is an assessment that you can go through um, to yeah. see what reasonable adjustments um, can be made, um, and, and I know that you know anyone that's gone through that process, it's been has been a positive one. Yeah, and, and yeah. you know, it, it, it should be you know my my view is that that should be available you know wherever you wherever you work.
0: What advice would you give to somebody um, who is probably entering into the legal profession and who has got a dyslexic background and maybe feel kind of maybe alone and isolated, what you were maybe like 20 years ago when you started your career? Um, what advice you would you give to somebody who uh,
1: wants to make a career in becoming a lawyer? Yeah, so. I- the first thing I'd do is is I would be very honest with them um and say that uh you're gonna to have to work really hard because no matter how much you put in 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 place in the way of reasonable adjustments and those sorts of things, and no matter how receptive um your firm are to to working with dyslexic staff um it is going to take longer to read certain things, and it's going to take longer to produce some kind of written work. Um, and so that's probably going to be reflected in the hours that, you know, you have to spend in the office or, or working at home. And, you know, you know, regardless of how open we are, that that's just going to be a reality. Um, but the other thing I would say to them is uh, that uh, I and other people I know who have been open about the dyslexia in the legal profession have generally Um, been well received. Um, And I would try and encourage them um, to to be more open about it. Um, I I was always, my dyslexia caused me embarrassment on a few occasions. And, you know, I remember one of those was that I I was asked to take notes for council at a hearing, Um, and then council asked to see those notes immediately after the hearing took place. Uh, and it was it was a horrible feeling handing over this dog's breakfast of you know spider's legs across a across a page um but I didn't feel at that stage because I'd, I'd sort of hidden my dyslexia I didn't feel like I could be open about why that was why that was the reason and I think anyone going into the profession now I would say to them you can you can avoid that kind of embarrassment if you're just open with people and people understand and actually more people than you realize are touched by dyslexia. So I I, I sort of thought when I would be open about it, that people wouldn't know what it was or or wouldn't understand it. But the amount of people who have said to me since I've been open about it, I've got a son that's dyslexic, I've got a daughter, I've got a brother, I've got an uncle, but whatever it might be, people understand and and people understand that it's no reflection on your intelligence. and you know, if, if you do fall down in some way in relate, uh, you know, in relation to your use of language, you know, people will understand it, uh, and, and it's better um, for them to know that that's the reason than than to be concealing it. I think.
0: Do you think over the last maybe you
1: think times, the, the stigma of being displaced
0: has actually got less, and it's actually been quite helpful in terms of being open about it and getting the. The necessary support, particularly within the legal profession itself.
1: Yeah, no, I think this. I think the stigma, as far as I'm concerned, has has lessened. Um, you know, you used to hear a lot more people telling jokes about <laughs> dyslexia. You know, uh it uh, might be in it, and I think that sort of thing is much less commonplace because it, you know, it feels like it touches more and more people, and uh, you know, we're much more. Uh, adept at identifying it now whereas many cases uh, previously sort of went undiagnosed so i I think all of that helps to reduce the stigma
0: you've just heard from alan discussing what advice he'll give to anybody who's entering the legal profession and is dyslexic you've come to the end of the podcast that me david thompson has done with alan sinclair and i'd like to thank alan for giving up his time to do the podcast You've also come to the end of the current series of Let's Talk Dyslexia. I would like to thank you, the listeners, on behalf of Dyslexia Scotland, for listening to this podcast and the other podcasts during the current series. Please look out on the Dyslexia Scotland website and social media for further updates on the new series. If you enjoyed this podcast, they say thanks by becoming a member of Dyslexia Scotland for as little as ten pound per year. Members help us to keep working for a dyslexia-friendly Scotland and you'll get a whole heap of benefits for joining. Show your support for our work by visiting www.dislexiascotland.org.uk forward slash shop. For information about the Let's Talk Dyslexia podcast series, please check out our website at www.dyslexascotland.org.uk or you can check out our Facebook page at www.facebook.com/dyslexia scotland or our Twitter page at dyslexia scotland.